Mark, who are we speaking on behalf of? Ourselves. The hostile work environment with Mark and Dennis. Not our employers. Nope, never. Do we ever dispense legal advice? Nope. No, we dispense stupidity. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, inappropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. Shut up. The Human Resources Director, Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello and welcome. You're with the Hostile Work Environment. I'm Dennis. Oh man, I thought this was the Dad Joke Podcast. Oh, we're recording that one next. Next, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess just Mark. Eh, welcome, Mark. <laughs> the Dad That's Joke Dennis. Podcast. That's Dennis, yeah. You know, dad Joke Podcast. Maybe we should have a Dad Joke Podcast. We could do that. Yeah. Do you know any good dad jokes? Not until I say them, apparently, but apparently I do them all the time. I had a good dad joke the other day. Okay. Did you hear about the butcher that backed into the meat grinder? Mm. He got a little behind in his work. Mm. Yeah? Guess where, I, guess where I pulled that one out. Union negotiations <laughs> for a grocer. See, I thought you were going to say you pulled see? it out of your ass. Almost. <laughs> On that cheery note, <laughs> I have an interesting topic to, to talk to you about today, okay. Mark. And it basically comes down to this. What duties does an employer owe the target of a harassment investigation? Well, that's a good question. And if they get it wrong, can the target of the harassment investigation turn around and sue the employer? You ever uh, think about that? I have. I mean, I, I don't know that I have great answers for you, but I have because it happens all the time where the target of the investigation says, well, you're discriminating against me. Right. I didn't, I do, didn't do anything. And this is, this is just you discriminating against right. me, too. And I thought this was kind of timely because, you know, we're coming off of Kavanaugh stuff. I'm not even I want to call it a gate, but I don't know if it's really a gate yet, like Kavanaugh gate. It's not really a scandal, but I think our supreme leader came out and was tweeting something recently about how it's a frightening time to be a male today, which I don't buy. But there's been a lot of reaction to that sentiment. Yeah, only if you did something. Yeah, if 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 you know if you're a a rapist or a harasser, yeah, yeah you should then probably you should be probably concerned. be concerned. Um, but then this lawsuit was filed that I read about. And I want to tell you a little bit about it because I think it's a good setup for a conversation about, you know, we know the law tells us pretty clearly what duties we owe the victims of harassment. Yeah. It's pretty unclear on what duties, if any, we owe the alleged perpetrators. So here, here's one for you. I know you've heard of Bill Cosby. Yes. He's a comedian. He's also I an spy. inmate. Yeah. Little rapey. Um, I know you've heard of Louis C.K. Yeah. Also a comedian. Had a tendency to fondle himself in front of people, which was unfortunate. Well, let's add to that list of people Aaron Glazer. You ever hear of Aaron Glazer? I don't think yeah, so. Me neither. 
Another Aaron comedian. Glazer was associated with the improv comedy group Upright Citizens Brigade. Oh, I have heard them. You've yeah. heard of yeah. UCB. Yes. Well, Aaron Glazer is suing the Upright Citizens Brigade, a Chicago-based improv comedy group. Yeah, they used to have a TV show. Yeah. I think way, they were on Comedy back. Central, yeah, right? Yeah, Comedy Central, yeah. maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, it was good stuff, and they're yeah. still around. Actually, I take that back. I thought all improv comedy groups were Chicago-based. They're not? They're not. Actually, Upright Citizens Brigade is from New York, so oh, I take that so back. so you lied. I lied. Um, I didn't really lie as much as I just made stuff you, you up assumed. when I didn't know the actual facts. You assumed. It's what lawyers do, Mark. Come yeah. On. So... Glazer is suing the Upright Citizens Brigade because they fired him for allegedly drugging and raping women. What we now know as the full Cosby. Oh. He was the target of several complaints that he was essentially giving roofies to women at the Upright Citizens Brigade show. So just to be clear, he's an employee of Up, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade is, a, is an we, employer? We, we shall get there. Oh. He was... Because he said they fired him, so that's why... Okay. Right. He claims that he was dismissed from the Upright Citizens Brigade because they engaged in a faulty investigation that concluded he was actually perpetrating the drugging and raping of several women. So they got rid of him as, you know, we would hope that they would if that was true. He claims it's false. So he is claiming he was an employee of the group and that they engaged in sex discrimination by believing his female accusers and not believing him and thus conducting a flawed investigation. How does I, I'm one doesn't actually lead to the other from right? Like believing one doesn't mean it was a flawed investigation. It doesn't. But if you are uh, Mr. Glazer, then perhaps you believe it is because you disagree with the outcome of the investigation. Fair enough. He but- is pointing to what he claims are some procedural flaws with the investigation where the women involved were given lots of opportunity to share their version of events. And he was given very little opportunity to share his. And he's saying that as a form of gender discrimination. So question number one, is it gender discrimination to believe women who complain about a man? No. Okay, thank you. <laughs> easy. That was easy. But what if, what if, what if the Upright Citizens Brigade received all of these complaints and never bothered to get Mr. Glazer's side of the story? Does that then become somehow discriminatory? I don't think so. And why not? I mean, I think you can point to that as a procedural flaw in an investigation. Right. Right. We, and, we would advocate, I think, both you and I, no matter what allegations you get, no matter how horrific, you should probably talk to the alleged harasser, right? Right. Right. That being said. That being said. I don't think that there's any duty imposed on the employer to have a good or perfect investigation. And I think in the end, if the employer believes 
the accusers and not the accused, and they decide to fire the accused, okay, that's it. Now, but being devil's advocate for a minute, what if you believe the accuser and not the accused because of the sex of the accused and the accuser? I think if you can prove that, maybe then you might have a claim, but you'd have to show that over the course, I think, of of several investigations and several instances. One investigation isn't going to be very probative to be able to figure out if that's true or not in in, in as an overall practice of an employer, right? You're going to have to point to, there were eight investigations conducted over the last couple of years. And in each and every one of them, the accuser was female, the accused was male. And in every time they accused, or they believed the the accuser. Yeah. And not enough. And because there was not enough procedural heft to this investigation that that a pattern a pattern has emerged but you can't i don't see how you do that with a single case where you have x number of people saying this happened and one person who maybe isn't being given a great opportunity to defend himself says it didn't but still manages to say it didn't the employer then has that information and in a vacuum to me i don't think that there's anything else owed to that employee from a legal standpoint right uh, and, and I don't see how this claim sees the light of day after a motion. I'm struggling to see how it moves and forward. And maybe it won't. Um, what's interesting here, and by the way, I agree with you. And, and before I get back to the case, the one other thing I would want to see as part of that pattern of, discrimi- of allegedly discriminatory investigating, what if you had a man complaining about a woman's behavior and the man was just like, meh. Like when women complain about men, we take it seriously. But when men complain about women, meh, then that would be problematic, right? Well, that could be, again, that could be evidence towards a claim of of discrimination in practice, right? And none of this is to say that I think that employers should do shoddy investigations or engage in this sort of not hearing all the parties to the complaint and, you know, including the accuser and and the accused. Like the investigation should be better than that. It should be better than but that. But that doesn't – it doesn't convey, I don't think, a right upon the accused if – right? I mean at-will employment is – right? You can fire somebody for any reason. Any reason. So long as, long as, as it's, it's not, not an illegal reason. Right. And in this case, I don't see that as being an illegal reason unless you can make a more compelling case than I'm hearing here right. on, on the sex discrimination side of it. And I – you know, unless you can point to practice – pattern and practice kind of information here. I think you're right. I'm struggling to see how you do that. And I would, the other way that I think you would get there is if somebody said something during the course of all of this that would suggest a gender bias. Fair enough. You know, like we believe women, but we don't believe men. Right. Fair enough. You know, that would be problematic. That could be problematic in terms, yes. Not the case here. Not that I'm saying. Now, I do want to get back to a question here. Yeah. Maybe you don't have that information. I think I do because I think I know your question, but go ahead. Is Upright Citizens Brigade an employer in this case? That's an interesting question. They claim no. And was he a member of Upright Citizens Brigade, like one of the comedians, or was he employed as, as, you know, somebody who supported their shows or did tech or did stage management or whatever else? Because it's sketch comedy, right? So they're... Well, this is a whole new and completely different issue, but I think Mm -hmm. equally fascinating. Yeah, no, that's a good. So here's the deal. 
Here's how Upright Citizens Brigade works. They run what they call a training center in New York. They actually call it the New York Training Center of the Upright Citizens Brigade. You go there, you take improv and sketch classes, and guess what? If you're good, you get into the show. Huh. Mr. Glazer was apparently kind of good, maybe not great. Because what they did, and this is where I think it gets interesting, according to the Upright Citizens Brigade, Glazer was an occasional volunteer. And volunteers get free drinks and free admission into the shows and free tickets for their friends and free drinks for their friends. So, question is, is allowing somebody to, quote unquote, volunteer for your enterprise, does that make them an employee? Oh, that's such a difficult question here. See, I actually... I actually don't think. I, I mean, it I don't is. think it. I mean, I don't think he's an employee. Do you? I think he's totally. You an think employee. so? And here's in this, why. Does he have a job? Yeah. Apparently, when he was there, he was volunteering. He was taking tickets at the door. He was running stuff behind the scene, the stage for the show. He was doing show-related stuff. And here's how I come down on that stuff. It. You, you don't get to, quote unquote, volunteer, volunteer for a for-profit for a for-profit right. enterprise. You can volunteer for a nonprofit, assuming you meet certain tests. And we don't need to get into that here. Right. But like you don't get to volunteer for a for-profit business. And the way the Fair Labor Standards Act is written to work, to employ somebody Correction there. To employ somebody is to suffer or permit them to, to work. work. So, so re- tell me again, what is it he's being asked to do for getting in for free? Is he is he serving drinks? Because uh, the way I heard it was he kind of gets to go to the party for free and have some free drinks. Are there other duties that you could say are actually being suffered or permitted to work? My information on that's a little unclear. Yeah. But Upright Citizens Brigade refers to him as an occasional volunteer. And apparently he was doing some work behind the stage, behind the scenes to I'd want to hear more about produce that. the show. Right. I'd I want to hear more about I think about it's that borderline. Um, because if he's an employee, then there's a whole host of other issues here. He also claims he was performing some administrative tasks. He was producing and hosting a monthly stand-up comedy series. For them? For them. And he was also performing sketch and improv comedy during shows. That changed. That, I mean, that sounds now, more like an employee. I mean, that push, that moves the needle for me a bit. Upright Citizens Brigade is also running a training center. Now, is that training for a potential job? Or is that more like an educational opportunity for people who have an interest in stand-up? Is he a student? Is he a student? And where do you draw the line between student activities for a company that's providing training and performing for a company that's a performing artist? And is it the same company? Is it two separate entities? Is the training center different from Upright Citizens Brigade? Appears not to be. And they I, appear to be one and the same. It's very mushy. It's kind of like, you know, if you opened up your own for-profit 
Trump University. And, you know, part of your coursework was to teach the other students. It almost becomes like a Ponzi scheme involving instruction. Right. At some point, you would think somebody's employed here. So Upright Citizens Brigade is asking a judge to toss out the suit on the basis that he's not an employee. I don't think that happens because I think there's a dispute as to whether he is employed or not. Well, I also don't think it happens because I think it's it's very easily dismissed on substantive grounds. And given those options, I think the court probably chooses to dismiss it on the on the substantive ground in this case, because I don't think I see enough here based on the facts that you've given me to move this forward, even if he is an employee. I would kind of think so. I think the much bigger danger, and this isn't part of this lawsuit, I think the bigger danger is that if you have a flawed investigation that results in an objectively untrue conclusion, your bigger danger is a defamation claim. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you're in one of the jurisdictions that recognizes the tort of compelled self-defamation, then it's really problematic. You ever hear of that one? No, I'm not really familiar with compelled self-defamation. Compelled self-defamation. Mark, you're fired because you're a thief. Now, when you go to your next potential employer and they ask you, Mark, why were you fired? Uh, You are now compelled to repeat the defamatory statement. Or lie, but being an honest person, you're going to say, well, I was fired because I'm a thief. And you just defamed yourself because you were compelled to do so by the original employer's initial defamation of you as a thief. It's an interesting concept, and there's several jurisdictions out there that recognize that as a form of defamation liability. It's one of the reasons why sometimes employers will know full well that, like, you know, Joe Blow is a drug addict and a thief, and I think he's probably a sex harasser, and, you know, he picks his nose and wipes it on his collar. But I'm not going to tell him that's why I fired him. I'm just going to say, Joe, your services are no longer needed. Because now when Joe goes to his next employer and they say, well, why were you fired? He can say, well, my services were no longer needed. Right. He doesn't have to repeat my potentially defamatory statements. Now, if he is a thief and a drug addict and he a nose picker, and I tell him those things, it's not defamation. Why? Because truth is always a defense to a defamation yeah. claim. It has to be false to be defamation. Right. So, you know, telling the truth is never defamatory. But when there is a dispute as to what the truth is, that's not going to stop you from getting sued. It's a defense to defamation, meaning you're going to have to go into court and prove that you were right. I'm interested to know, I wonder if your article says this, if he's claiming he was an employee, yeah. what's he saying his damages were? If he was really a volunteer and he's, he, I mean, or is there a wage claim in here too saying I was employed by you and I should have been making minimum wage at least to do the work I was doing for Which you? Which is not part of his lawsuit. So I'm curious what the damages are and how he how you know how he would expect to have those calculated as well. We haven't spent a lot of time talking on the podcast about damages and how they work. Right. Probably because they aren't very sexy. No, but, but in I'm this curious case, here if he's if he's saying I was for lack of a better word, we'll call him a volunteer, even though we have said you can't really volunteer for a for profit. Right. Uh, you know, what's he saying his lost 
wages and compensatory damages would be in this. The information that I have is sketchy on that, but what he is saying is the complaints against him were leaked to social media despite promises that they would not be. Not quite sure if that's a claim or a damage or just what or how it fits into a gender discrimination case. Right. Um, He does say that he has been blacklisted from other jobs. Which, again, I don't see as a gender discrimination damage. No, no, it's not. Where, and this is not part of... That's just something that happens to you when this happens to you. Right. Now, what's not part of this article, and perhaps his complaint doesn't go into this degree of detail, but under Title VII and most state anti-discrimination laws, you are allowed to recover damages for, quote-unquote, emotional distress. Yep. So if he comes in and says, you know, I, I suffered serious trauma and PTSD and yada, 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 because I was falsely accused of rape and dismissed and my name drug through the mud, right. then that's, that's his damage. That's much more straightforward to me. But I'm curious if he's an employee and he's fired, then almost every claim I've ever seen has a compensatory damages component to it. And, you know, his claim would be, I think, booze and tickets. But can you even Since make that? that was com- his can you make that compensatory damages? If that's your remuneration, uh, your remuneration, it's a little late in the day for for remuneration. Such, yeah, that wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. Remuneration. Remuneration. That was better. I think that's better. Um, his pay. His pay. That's not like legit recognized form of remuneration for an employee. I think if or, you are receiving non-wage benefits as your remuneration, then I think what you could do is just get the cash equivalent well, is, of the value of that, those non-cash benefits. Uh, yeah, I think he fascinating. I don't see how that meets a minimum wage standard here unless he's getting a lot of booze. Yeah, he'd be drinking a lot up the of tickets bar. for the amount of work that it sounds like once we got into it, it sounds like he might be doing. Maybe. We don't know the quantity of the supposed administrative tasks or performances that he's putting on. Right, but if he's running performances UCB. and producing them, yeah, you got to imagine that's quite a few hours of work. Could be. And a couple of drinks ain't going to pay for that. Depends on the drinks. I mean, if it's the really good <laughs> old scotch versus, you know, like okay. well drinks. I don't know. Right. Or, you know, he's drinking all night. Yeah, I mean, you ever hang out with comedians? They drink like fish. Yeah. They're a, you know, they're a pretty drunk bunch. I would love to monitor this and see what happens with it if if Me ever too. ever reported on again. I'll keep an eye on it. We'll okay. we'll we'll inform the world. Cool. All right. On that note, we'll be right back. All right. We're back. I've got another Interesting little story to tell that I think has a a couple interesting legal points in it. Remember Don Imus? Yeah. Radio shock jock kind of personality. Kind of said some just slightly racist things. Kind of got him kicked off the radio for quite a while. Remember? Uh, Yeah, vaguely. That was a while ago, though, right? It was many years. He said some things about um, the members of the Rutgers women's basketball team. That um, maybe that's coming back to me. Yeah. Um, he spent some time off the air and then came back slowly but surely. He's been build rebuilding his former media empire. Now, I don't 
I used to listen to Imus many, many years ago. And one of my favorite parts of the Imus show was the sports segment. And on the sports segment was this guy named Warner Wolf. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Warner no, Wolf. No, no, no. But Warner Wolf was a really interesting sportscaster. Very sort of old school, and that's relevant. It kind of comes back in a bit. Um, but one of his, like, whenever he loved to report on a blowout. And one of his sort of catchphrasey kind of things when reporting on a blowout would be, you know, if, if you had the New York Knicks and 50 points, you won. It was just right. kind yeah. of one part of his shtick. Um, Warner Wolf stayed with Imus through thick and thin. And after Imus began rehabilitating his career, Warner Wolf was part of the show. Sure. Up until recently, because uh -oh. Warner Wolf is suing Don Imus. Oh no! For of what do you think he's suing for? Oh, I don't know. Age discrimination. Oh, Warner Wolf is eighty years old. Oh, when I said old school, I meant old. That's old school. school. He yeah. was an old school broadcaster, and part of Imus's regular routine was to make jokes about. How Warner's old. age. Mm -hmm. So on air, he would make thing. He would make these comments about how old Warner Wolf is, such as it's time to put Wolf out to pasture, and time to shoot him with an elephant dart gun. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but here's a couple interesting points on and this. But and he did that kind of throughout. Yeah, it was it was part of the it was part of the joke and part of the shtick. And then he decided that he was done with Warner Wolf and 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 let him go from the show as part of his new just just new no, look he was, show. This well, is recently. This was recently. Wolf had been with, like I said, with Imus through thick and thin. He's been part of the. He was part of the Imus show for like 20, 30 years. Okay, but here's what happened. So Wolf pushing eighty. Decides he doesn't want to live in New York anymore. And where do New Yorkers go when they're old and don't want to live in New York? Florida. Florida. Our favorite state on this podcast. It's where all good things originate. If, true. If you want to talk about bad employment it's decisions. True. So Warner Wolf decides, you know what? Modern technology will allow me to move to Florida and work from there. And I can just remote into the IMIS show. But Don, I don't Imus, see why not. Yeah, yeah, right. But Don Imus didn't like that and said it wasn't working out. So he fired Warner Wolf and replaced him with a vastly younger person. Which, in this case, pretty much anybody, anybody would be. Anybody would be vastly younger. So I don't know the age of the person who replaced him, but it was substantially younger than 80, which could be, for all I know, 65. Two interesting points on this lawsuit. One, how old do you think Don Imus is? I'd put him in his 70s. 77. So the man accused of discriminating against the 80-year-old is 77. There's yeah, which, a, which that's always a, a question in age, age discrimination lawsuits. And I, I think it's probative, but not very. Because even an old person could say, like, you know, we need some fresh blood around here. Right, and... Uh, uh, Man can discriminate against men, and a woman can discriminate against women. But it does make a, you second guess. A little bit. I think it's a relevant factor. I, I think it's relevant. I don't think it's the most 
relevant? Here's the one that really is relevant. Okay. Where do you think Warner Wolf sued Don Imus? You mean geographically? I mean jurisdictionally. Right. Uh, well, it would be Florida or New York. No? Yeah, he sued him in New York, bringing claims under both New York State and New York City humans right, human rights laws prohibiting discrimination on the basis of age. Okay. The New York court said, no, get out of here. You didn't work in New York during the relevant statute of limitations period. Mm-hmm. Your termination occurred in Florida. Go tell Florida about it. We don't care. Interesting. Interesting. So when you allow employees to work remotely from other jurisdictions, you get into some really juris- some really interesting jurisdictions. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't clear there how long it had been now, after been, he moved. He'd been doing the thing from Florida long enough to get out from under the uh, – I mean, I, I um, the think statute based, of limitations. I He'd think, been there since 2015. He was okay. fired in 2016. I mean, I think based on what you you've told me so far, it's going to be a pretty hard case to prove. Hard case to prove. It re, it's like you know, just because I know a little bit about the personalities, at least the on-air personalities of Imus and Wolf, right? And as they've aged throughout the time that I've been aware of them, it's just like. You know, two old men having an old man fight. Right. And I don't know that if it's part of the shtick and part of the gag for many, many years that they made he made fun of his age. I think it was later on. I mean, then I I just I have a hard time seeing that it's because of that. Same here. But then again, when you're saying like (laughs) the guy's so old, it's time to put him out to pasture. It's what we call direct evidence of age discrimination. So I think it it raises a question. Right. It, I, I think it. I think this case probably survives an, an early motion. If it means, wasn't for the jurisdictional, if it issue, wasn't for I the jurisdictional agree. issue, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I think it survives an early motion. But I, I have a hard time seeing you convincing a jury fully that that's the reason. Yeah, I just see two old men hitting each other with canes. Right, which is, but that's because yeah. I'm discriminating based on age. I'm engaging in stereotyping. As you do. As I uh, as I am wont to do. Interesting. Anyway, Thank you We'll for be that. right back with the story. And we're back with Mark and a listener-submitted story. All right, we hear it's a doozy. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, this is the follow-up, the second story from our submission last week. Aha, uh-huh, that's so, right. So, and and I forget what we what did we name her last week? She, she's from a flyover state. It was like it was like Nellie in Nebraska. Nellie in Nebraska. Like that. that was it. So last week's story was titled "Can't Help You." This one is entitled "Barnyard Chicks." That can't be good. I'm old enough to remember implementing our first computerized HR systems, completing EEOC forms with eight pieces of carbon paper and other Stone Age era processes. Wow. When the internet... I I bet she faxed things. I bet she did. I'm still shocked that people in certain areas do that. Me too. When the internet became available for employee use, their desire to surf on a company's high-speed access moved faster than software's ability to detect to detect unsavory viewing. 
As a result, HR and IT formed an interesting bond between them, with IT snooping and HR enforcing the emerging no-porn policies. In my role at the same manufacturer as in Story 1, my IT manager would periodically come across a spicy site someone had visited. Frequently, it was detected due to a virus getting into the network. Other times, I think they were bored in IT and decided to see what people were up to. Regardless of how the site was discovered, the IT manager would alert me to the unbusinesslike behavior, and I would have a tender and compassionate moment with the offender. <laughs> the final sentence, though, was along the lines of, this is the last time we will have this conversation where I do not have your final check in my hand. It usually made the point. Ooh. On one occasion, a good threat. I kind of like that. I like that. Yeah. I like that. On one occasion, the IT manager alerted me to a site frequented by a middle-aged woman. It was called something like Barnyard Chicks. In the interest of social research, I visited the site and saw a lovely rural vista, complete with large mounds of hay and a few animals strolling about. As I was noticing the selection of pages at the top of the site, including something called hay humping, the lovely what? yeah, the lovely rural scene started to change as humans entered the frame. Oh my god, I was about to like look up barnyard chicks and I now I'm glad I didn't. I quickly got Since I'm on the work internet. Right. I quickly <laughs> I'll got I'll just do it at home. Do it at home. Yeah. Uh, I quickly got the idea and decided to exit it was then I learned I was locked in without a log off option and any attempt to leave by hitting escape or going to a different page resulted in a starburst of new pictures and poses. Oh, the pop-up cascade. Remember yep, those? I do. Oh, man. Those were the death knell it of was the not internet. Good. It was at this point my admin stepped into my office to ask a question. Of course. She was 21, single, and raised in a conservative Mormon community. Oh, no. The only question she managed to pose was, are there three people in that picture? Oh, my God. To which I could only reply, yes, and a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I shut down my computer and felt like I needed to take a shower. When I went to confront the employee, I found she had resigned the day before. Oh, my God. Wonderful story. That Thank you. Awesome. Yes. I thoroughly enjoyed and that. And a horse. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That was a great story. Thank you very much. If you have a story, even if it's only like a third as good as that one, send it to stories at hwepodcast.com. Yeah, we've been asking for more. I haven't been getting much more. Maybe Losers. one or two. I am yeah. getting, interestingly, and I, I do enjoy this too, Yeah, I am getting a few more people sending links to articles or suggestions Always for things helpful. that we can talk about. So uh, send those as well. Send those as well. But if you want us to continue this segment. Yeah. Otherwise it's, you know, dad jokes. Otherwise it's dad jokes. Yeah. And uh, you can always send links to interesting things you'd like to hear us talk about to us on Twitter. Twitter's good. At HWE podcast. Yeah. Um, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash HWE. Yep. That's really, I got to get, I got what keeps us going. That's, that's what keeps the lights on. Um, I actually have a Patreon only segment that I need to put up in the very near future. I think we're due. I think we're due. Um, and special announcement. We will not have a new episode next week. Wah, wah. You know why? Uh, yeah. Why? 
We are climbing. Tell people. We are climbing Mount St. Helens next week. Right. Which will will take a full day of our time. Right. And uh, we have to. We can know, only spend so much time together. Right. And we have to go all the way through Mordor. Mark's going to throw right. the the ring into the fiery pit of and the mountain. Probably then destroy Eastern Oregon or Eastern Washington when it erupts. And yeah, probably will probably erupt to the north and east. It usually does. That's the way the crater faces. Yeah. So. Um, Knowing that that will take a lot of our time, we're not going to have an episode for you next week. But the week after that, we will be back. And we will be back with a very special live episode. Keep your fingers crossed that the tech works. Assuming the tech works. And it's going to be our 50th episode, which is a pretty important milestone. That's pretty cool. It's like the gold anniversary, if I am not mistaken. The hostile work environment. Yeah. So um, we'll see you back in two weeks, folks. Looking forward to it. Yeah. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. And enjoy this awkward sign-off. Yeah. Don't go to uh, barnyardchicks.com on the work internet. Advice for the ages. Bye. Prepare ship for light speed. No, 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 light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow? Yes, we're going to have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take us. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken?